Howdy and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week. I'm Dave Palmer, Executive Director here at the station and host of this program. Diane is running our board and I love when we have re- repeat and return guests on because every you know six months or a year we get to kind of get an update on uh, how they're doing, what they're doing, the latest news from their apostolate or ministry. And uh, this is the case of that because uh, Andrew Gill uh, is Executive Director of of the Theocentric Guild and Outreach. You can find them online at theocentricguild.com. And I recall interviewing him at least once, several times, in fact. And uh, we're going to get an update and let you know what they are all about. Uh, they're doing a lot of things. So we got a lot of, lot of ground to cover here and some events coming up as well. Uh, so we welcome uh, Andrew Gill with the Theocentric Guild and Outreach to the program. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Dave. Thanks so much. Yeah, so you're executive director and also founder, and I guess it's just a basic introductory question. I'll I'll say, what is the Theocentric Guild and Outreach? Uh, how do you how do you best describe it? Okay, well, we're we're a nonprofit. We we started um, around forming in 2012, and then we were able to get the the 5013C status around 2014. Uh, we are a, a nonprofit that's striving to restore the sacredness of human person and society. Uh, we advocate for individuals and families by providing education. Uh, we've got a lot of outreach in that area. We've got creative opportunities uh, to co-create with God. And we've also got different uh, wellness-type services uh, that basically support the personal and communal life. Uh, of the uh, people in society as well as in the church. Yeah, I love that. Uh, restoring the sacred in society because it really has uh, taken a hit, the dignity of the human person in many ways, abortion, uh, the the way we look at marriage, the way we look at human life and dignity. And so this is, yeah, you definitely have filled a niche that's very necessary in our culture today, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we really honed in on that very simple uh, mission statement because we, we, we want to recognize, you know, that, you know, like, you know, Pope John Paul II, St. Pope John Paul II would say about the dignity of the human person. And we almost lost the sense of that language uh, today. And so we wanted to, like, reference that sacredness of the human person and, and really promote that through our services. Yeah, there's so much that you're doing. I want to take it one at a time because I know you have an education center, a creative center, a wellness center. And I appreciate you sending information over. So let me introduce them one at a time, and then you kind of give us a, a little bit more of the details about what each of these centers, you know, the mission and purpose. Uh, education center, I'll read the mission statement, and then you, you fill in all the blanks. It says, we focus on providing personal, professional, and family formation through educating people on the best way to live healthy lifestyles in different contexts in their life. Uh, you've got a staff, you've got seminars, calls to action. Uh, tell us more about that. So basically, we, we offer our seminars, um, you know, uh, periodically through uh, Eventbrite, which is our, our um, re- way of registering our call to action to get people involved in these seminars. Um, and we, we do, we vary our, our type of seminars, but most of them are focused on health, wellness, and healing and, and uh, personal or family life. So, uh, for example, we, we, we do the Love and Logic series. Uh, a lot of people may know that, that kind of curriculum. Uh, we do the parenting uh, with Love and Logic. Uh, and then also there's a special program which we're launching this year, which is called the Sacred Path 
uh, program, which is designed for any kind of habit change. And so we'll be doing seminars and workshops in that area as well through our education center. Do I have a... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I know you are Catholic and is, is everything based on the teachings of the Catholic church? Do you uh, have a lot of non-Catholics that come to uh, your centers or uh, what's the connection with your Catholic faith and, and what you do at the Theocentric Guild? Absolutely. So most of our staff are actually Catholics. We've, we've chosen to take a model where we, uh, have a really strong base that's Catholic, but we also um, incorporate our, our type of seminars so that we can be inclusive to, you know, other Christians as well as the population as a whole. So uh, so we, we cover our market on in all three areas of, of Catholics, you know, other Christians as well as, you know, folks that are basically interested in our topics. Like you can imagine, parenting is something that everybody goes through. So um, that's we may have a slant that's like Christian uh, and even Catholic, but we we that's other people. Yeah, I, and I see a lot of familiar names: uh, Betsy Coper, who I have worked with very closely, and Manny Ortiz, and uh, uh, J.P. Cortez. Um, and so you, you, you've you've got a, a lot of people. Are, are do, you, do you have a staff? Are these mostly volunteers, or how many people are working with the uh, the Guild and Outreach? Oh, yeah. So we basically have teams in each center. Um, and so our, our education center is basically still formulating. So we, uh, Betsy is involved. Uh, so is my, my colleague, Clara Rendoni, uh, who is, um, you know, uh, a therapist. And, and then we've also got some other speakers that are guest speakers at times that, that come in. So that are more occasional. And we're trying to recruit, actually, speakers. So if you're interested in that, um, let us know. And would this be on particular like, topics of interest to the speaker, or do they come and train on particular topics that you've already prepared? So we're, we're open to um, topics that a person can propose to us. Uh, we do review those as a center. Um, so, but we do have um, topics that we can outline for people to actually use and curriculums that are already set up to actually uh, disseminate. All right. So we, we're, we're open-minded about the people bringing their own topics, so we want to be able to review that first. Oh, okay, very good. And I'm just curious, because you have these uh, programs, are they normally free or people pay? And I guess the secondary question is, how, how is your um, organization funded? Okay, so we, we do have... Uh, service-based funding and also patrons. So we have about uh, 50 uh, patrons that are, are consistent with donating money to the guild. And then, um, you know, the consecutive donors, um, you know, is about half of that population. So, but we, but they, we, we team, tend to fund ourselves through donations as well as the services that we provide. So the seminars are, you know, relatively inexpensive. So we go from a range of like Ten dollars to twenty-five dollars for our seminars. Um, so, if it, you know, you can imagine a speaker comes in. You know, if there's about five, four or five people, that's one hundred twenty-five dollars, right? That a speaker will get. Um, you know, for something like that. So, we we like to try to keep the the rates pretty low so that people can get it, um, and that we can also pay our our speakers what they're due. 
Very nice. Uh, Andrew Gill is my guest, executive director, founder of Theocentric Guild and Outreach. Uh, Theocentricguild.com is their website. You can also go to the Eventbrite page and uh, register for some of their upcoming events, and we'll be telling you more specifically about the, what those are later in the interview. Let's move on to the Creative Center. This is uh, really interesting. Creative experiences from painting to crafts, even puppetry, where people can use their creativity to express the sacredness of God, humanity, and the world. I didn't realize, Andrew, you were an amateur puppeteer. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been really fun to, to learn about the puppets. Me and my wife, uh, Bianca, went to, to Europe uh, before the uh, COVID hit, um, and we went to all the Christmas markets. And I was able to pick up some marinettes in Prague, and I was also to, uh, picking up puppets along the way through in, like Budapest as well as um, you know other cities throughout Europe. So I, I've got a great repertoire of puppets now, um, and we're, we're we're working towards creating this theater with um, you know our team. So it's been kind of exciting new adventure. Yeah, it's kind of a lost art, isn't it? You don't see that as much as uh, the, the puppets now that everything is you know, gone so digital and so you know everything's online. But uh, it's it's a, it's a throwback, and they're really neat. It's really interesting you say that, Dave. When we were in Prague, we went to uh, uh, a marionette uh, puppet theater museum. And the, the, the facilitator there, the director of that museum, basically told us that only about 20 years ago, there was 100 marionette theaters in Prague. Wow. But that is now down to, to like less than 10. Oh, wow. And it- when we asked him that question, it's just what you said. It's like everybody's on digital he says people are looking at TV. They're not going to theaters anymore. So, yeah, we, we have aspiration. You've hit it on, on the dot there where it's like really we want to be able to bring back this lost art um, and, you know, give people an experience of live puppetry um, and really inspire people through it. Yeah, I'm thinking about The Sound of Music where they had that little puppet uh, play and there's, you know, in some of the older movies you see that and it's it's really, it's it's neat and uh, I'm glad you're bringing it back because it certainly is a throwback. Uh, you have uh, caricature artists, uh, other puppeteers, uh, a production staff and I guess just like with the Education Center, you said you're open to people's creativity. So if somebody comes to you with an idea, they can propose to you something that would fit into the overall mission uh, that has to do with some kind of creative art absolutely so i i just wrote um this last like four months uh, a puppet show and i pitched it to the team and they're reviewing it and we're putting it all together uh we had someone else who wrote a, a show for us so uh people can write uh for this creative center uh we also are seeking puppeteers we need some amateur puppeteers we'll train you um and we're also looking for artists we're looking for people who have, you know, stage experience um, in in logistics of that, in video and audio production. And I, I, I see here that parishes can request that you come out. And I, I know, yeah, in the last you know nine ten months, parishes are not doing as many activities. But once and hopefully soon, things kind of get back to normal. Is that an option where parishes, or even maybe now, that they'll they can invite you out to do some of these uh, performances or or shows? Absolutely. We're looking forward to that opportunity, you know, as a non-parish-based organization for the Diocese of Dallas. And, you know, having done some other art workshops in Fort Worth, we're we're eager to build relationships with parishes and provide those services. 
All right. The, the third one is the Wellness Center, focusing on providing supportive services that promote healthy lifestyle, including keto coaching, acu, de, you know, de, forgive me if I mispronounce any of this. Uh, a, a, acu detox. Okay. <laughs> and also fertility center for the Creighton model. Uh, and I, I'm just amazed at the, 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 the breadth of the things that you're doing. And, and I know it all connects, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. So to tell us more about the wellness center. So we're really grateful that we have um, membership in the American Academy of Fertility Care Professionals. Um, so we're, we're basically connected with the Fertility Care Centers of America, uh, with this Dr. Hilger's uh, Creighton model and the NAPRO technology. So we, we have, uh, you know, three other practitioners besides myself, Lindsay Sinclair, Jean-Pierre, and uh, our new uh, practitioner in, in training is Ellen Mitchell. And she's uh, in Irving, Jean-Pierre's in Dallas, and Lindsay's in Fort Worth. Lindsay actually does about... 80 couples a year for the Fort Worth Diocese. So she's involved in a lot. Um, and so the, and then we also have, um, we inter, inter, so that's our fertility care center, which is what we have rigorously trained to teach women, couples, and spouses to understand and observe characteristics of mucus and other biological markers through fertility care, the, the fertile or infertile cycles, enabling them to practice the natural family planning and also it addresses gynecological issues. So this is something where we're, we're here set up for that. We're still getting our word out to the people uh, about this. Um, you know, our, uh, our Facebook page for the Fertility Care Center gets more hits than anything else in our, in our um, organization. So there's a, a great need for this, but still we need some publicity to get the word out that we do this service. And we certainly are very happy to provide that for you. Of course, that's what we're doing now, and I, I know that's that's the battle these days is getting the word out because there's so much, uh, so many things happening. I'm sorry, Andrew, were you going to say something else? I was also going to uh, mention. So the wellness center is, is definitely got that piece with the women's health um, aspects, but we also have uh, the, a little bit of nutritional guidance with the keto coaching. Now, the ketogenic diet is can at times be something that's sensitive for people because people oftentimes uh, assume that it's a restrictive diet, but the way that we do keto is um, more integrated. It's not, um, we, we, we teach it um, in a different manner than what most people would expect to kind of help people with weight management and also uh, self-esteem and things like that. Sounds like you're covering the whole person, uh, emotional, mental, spiritual, physical. You have the, the entire human, you know, soul and body in mind, don't you? We really do. It's, uh, you know, that's one of the things that's beautiful about our organization is that we, we created these centers having in mind the whole person, not just one aspect of them. Yeah. So tell us about the events. I know before we started, you told me there's a couple of events coming up in February and uh, maybe this summer, uh, and there, there's going to be more that's added to the Eventbrite page. But uh, what, what should people be aware of that's coming around the corner? Well, sure. So I'll just tell you a few things. Like, you know, as of last year, like I said, you know, our, our wellness center, we had almost probably about 100 attendees in our different events for the wellness center. Um, in our education center, uh, we, we have ongoing people that attend our, those seminars uh, over the time. Um, so, you know, these are great opportunities to connect with other people, but also learn knowledge and skills. So um, some of the, the events that we are 
basically getting uh, ready for us. We do have a keto intro that's uh, February 16th. Uh, and we will have a fertility care Creighton model intro on February 20th. Uh, going into like the the March April uh, May time is going to be a little bit of a lull as we're preparing for some of our major uh, programming that's occurring during the summer into the fall. So we'll start up the the Love and Logic parenting skills in on fifth, and then we're looking to, to actually get our puppet show out in July. Oh wow! So look for that. And then um, we'll we'll move in to also some. Um, uh, I, I am working on that habit change program uh, called Sacred Path, and you'll see that some of those uh, seminars, workshop opportunities, and even a healing weekend is going to be coming up um, in the new year. You ever thought of doing like a, a coffee house with puppeteers? I just think that would be so cool is to have a, you know, I know there's something here about talent shows and I just imagine sitting around and drinking some coffee or maybe a, a cold beer and just watching some good old fashioned entertainment. But uh, I'll just put that in the suggestion box in case you ever want to <laughs> consider that. Uh, I understand there's going to be, that- oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. It's a great suggestion. We The Guild has at one time done what's called Abba's Coffee House, and we have actually an espresso machine in spot. So we're, we're set up. Maybe we need some popcorn, too, you know? <laughs> uh, but we're, we're setting up for that, and hope, you know, obviously with the COVID situation, it's been a little bit challenging to get that kind of event up. But um, we're, we're hoping that we can have that opportunity to bring, uh, you know, people with that are gifted that want to actually glorify God through their talent and really just give people a good experience. Yeah, that's awesome. And I understand there's going to be a, a new little tiny member of the guild uh, coming around Holy Week this year. Is that right? Can you tell us about him? Oh, that, that's right. That one? <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, my wife, Bianca, is pregnant, and uh, she's in her third trimester. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, uh, the guest date on that would be Holy Friday, so um, we're, we're we're excited about that. Yeah, for wow. the Gill family. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congratulations um, on being a father yep. already, right? Because that little that little child is as human as can be, even be in the womb. Uh, so so praise God for that. Uh, yes, we wrap up. Uh, Andrew Gill's my guest, executive director of the Theocentric Guild and Outreach. Uh, just go to theocentricguild.com. You can find out about the Education Center, the Creative Center, and the Wellness Center. They're doing a lot. They've been around for seven years now a little over seven years, Restoring Sacred in Society. And um, just uh, of all those people listening right now, what are the needs, Andrew, uh, as far as funding, volunteers, uh, creativity? What, what, uh, who, who can help you and in what ways? Well, you know, like, uh, I'll go ahead and start with our, our spiritual center as well, um, uh, Dave. Uh, I want to just uh, announce that we did a really huge event um, back in uh, December 12th on the Feast of Our Lady Guadalupe, uh, we, we collaborated with Modern Day and uh, St. Basil's Parish, um, and we, we raised about uh, close to uh, almost $3,000, Dave, wow. um, for um, the, this pilgrim uh, pr- procession that was occurring with Our, our Lady Guadalupe. Uh, and we ended up paying for the police and also uh, some of the extra uh, funds uh, helped out with the logistics of the event. So um, that's the kind of stuff that we can do, uh, and that's the kind of patrons we want is, is people that are restoring the sacred in that kind of way as well. 
Uh, we're not going to be able to go out to the March for Life this year because I think they canceled it in Dallas, but we're typically out there. And uh, we're hoping to do some, uh, in the future, some pilgrimages. And we have an annual consecration ceremony that we invite other organizations uh, that are interested in um, to participate with annually. So I did, I did want to mention that. Our chaplain is Father Jim Gigliotti, uh, who's over at St. Andrew's Parish. Um, and, you know, the, one of the greatest needs we have as, as far as, uh, you know, requests is we do need intercessors. And anybody that, like, you know, is interested in what we're doing, you know, and wants to pray for us, we, we, we first of all ask for your prayers and, and that you can consider, you know, participating in that way. Um, otherwise, you know, our creative center is, is going to be needing those puppeteers and artists and craftsmen that may be interested in, you know, contribu- contributing their, their time and their skill. Um, and we're also doing a little bit of contract work with those folks as well uh, as we prepare for shows and, and different events. Uh, when it comes to our wellness center, we're, we're really just looking for any other people that have like mind that are interested in, in helping out with our wellness center uh, and have, uh, we're open to contracting in that area as well. And uh, so in general, uh, we're also looking for speakers that, that can help um, you know, implement some of our new programs, especially with the Habit Change Program for the Sacred Path System that uh, um, we've created. Wow, lots going on. It's going to be a busy year. Uh, congratulations on all your success and also on the little baby uh, who's going to make his... Uh, is it, do you know the sex of the baby yet, uh, boy or girl, or no? You know, we, we're allowing uh, the child to reveal their own gender. <laughs> you know? And it's going to okay. be a one-time gender reveal. <laughs> you know? Okay. You're not, you're not going to wait until they're, uh, what, 10 or 12 to, to, to decide no, what we, they... Okay. We decided against that. We decided against that. <laughs> okay, probably a good decision. All right, uh, Andrew, congratulations. Thanks for taking some time with us. Again, uh, the Executive Director of Theocentric Guild and Outreach. Just put a .com at the end of Theocentric Guild, and you can find all the inf- all the information of the what we talked about uh, during this interview and uh, help them as you can, prayer, support, uh, um, speaking ideas, uh, just uh, anything that you can do to help them out. They're doing so much. Thanks, Andrew. Great speaking with you as always. Uh, excellent. Thanks, Dave. All right. This has been the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Thanks to Diane for running the board. And please let us know of other ideas, things that are going on. We always want to know uh, what's happening in North Texas in the local Catholic world. If you have an idea for a future radio interview, contact me directly at Palmer at grnonline.com. God bless you and thank you for listening. Conversations about dying are never easy. Advanced planning ensures your wishes are followed, easing the burden on your family. The Catholic Foundation of Dallas is hosting a free four-part online webinar series on a Catholic perspective on end-of-life issues. The first series takes place on Monday, February 1st from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. with Father Tom Clority, pastor of Prince of Peace Catholic Community in Plano. Father Clority will discuss our Father's sacramental grace for the journey. To register, visit catholicfoundation.com. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart, an education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition, an education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. 
Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to this KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here in this new year. We are, gosh, moving through January already. My name is Dave Palmer, and I'm the host of this program. Typically, Diane Xavier is running our board, and I had the opportunity this past week to do a few live remote broadcasts uh, at the local restaurants. And one of the topics we talked about uh, with one gentleman, Mike, Michael Reggett, is was about St. Vincent de Paul. And it brought to my mind that it had been a while since I had spoken to their chief executive officer, Michael Pasolini. And lo and behold, he and I touched base just uh, the other day, and uh, he's got some wonderful news to tell you about, about St. Vincent de Paul of uh, North Texas and the expansion plans that they have with their pharmacy. And so he joins me by phone to give you an update on how his organization is growing, thriving, uh, and uh, the, the the plans for 2021. So, Michael, uh, thanks for joining me. It's my pleasure, Dave. Thank you for for inviting me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you sent over a um, an attachment that had a lot of information on it, and we certainly will not be able to touch on all of it. And I want to zero in on this plan to expand your pharmacy here in a few minutes. But just from a kind of bird's eye view, uh, tell us about the organization of St. Vincent de Paul in the Dallas Diocese. How many parishes? How many? Uh, what's the service area facilities? Uh, you know the thrift stores. You guys do so much. Tell tell us what 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 do y'all um, from a structural standpoint look like? Sure, be happy to. Uh, we've been around since the 1950s, so we've been in in the North Texas area. We serve in the diocese of Dallas, the nine counties that make up the diocese. We have somewhere around a 750 Vincentian volunteers, and they're. They're organized into 40 conferences around the diocese. Um, last year, we were able to provide over $7 million of assistance, helping somewhere over 60,000 people. Uh, that assistance uh, is comprised of both emergency assistance as well as uh, systemic change programs, of which our pharmacy is one of those programs. Uh, I'm happy to say that we are growing. Um, we just got word from Prince of Peace in Dallas and from St. Williams in Greenville that they want to establish a St. Vincent de Paul conference there. And we're working with them to get that off the ground. So we'll go from 40 today to 42, hopefully before the mid-year mark. Oh. So that's all good news. Yeah, growth is certainly good. And I, I see the another chart that you sent over to me and uh, – you know, forty thousand dollars in Christmas gifts, and sixty-five thousand in home furnishings, and loans, and uh, you know, scholarships, backpacks, person-to-person visits, homelessness preventing uh, preventing homelessness, two point three million. I mean, there's a lot going on, and I, I think to a lot of people, they they you know, they're just not aware because most of it's happening behind the scenes, or it's happening, uh, you know, in areas maybe where people are not aware of. But how, how do you how from a, a organization standpoint? point how many people do you have working for you how many volunteers uh, this is a big operation yeah we like i said we have about 750 members yeah. uh, that are part of the society and they do the lion's share of the of the work the outreach the home visits the fundamental mechanism by which we engage people you know that's our that's our opportunity to engage the face of christ and those we serve and to bring the face of christ to those that are in need in that desperate hour. Um, so, so much of that work gets accomplished by them. 
we have a very small staff. Um, it's somewhere uh, to less than 15 people or so. Uh, they're, they're really working on a lot of the programs that serve those conferences, pharmacy, our mini loan program, our study time after school program, things of that nature. So that's how we get the job done. Uh, the fundraising is predominantly done by the churches through their black bag collections that they do for their conference locally, as well as our own independent fundraising through donors, through foundations and grants that we receive for the various programs that we're uh, trying to bring to the, the, the people in need. Mm. Um, I, I want to mention that you know, during the COVID pandemic, uh, we remained operational. Now, mind you, we didn't do home visits, obviously. And, and so we did much of our outreach via telephone visits. And, you know, while it's it's sufficing for the purpose of getting the aid to those that need it, it we, we missed that interaction, that building of relationships with people in our community. Um, and we're, we're looking forward and praying for that day when we can return to be in person uh, with the families and individuals we serve. But we kept operational. Our pharmacy kept operational. It didn't close down. There were only two days out of last year that we actually had to close because of COVID uh, restrictions. But uh, that was it. The remainder of the time, we put social distancing protocols in, and we were able to deliver those free medications to people in need. So that's how we get it done. The, the pharmacy has, a, again, a small staff. It's uh, five individuals, six individuals, I think, right now, two pharmacists. Uh, and it's... Um, it's rocking and rolling, if you will. Uh, the the need is great. And in fact, isn't Hank Herman still? Uh, is he leading that? Because I I was telling Mike the other day when I saw him that Hank was one of the very first people I ever got to know when I started in Catholic Radio about fifteen years ago. And he's still going strong yeah, with absolutely. you guys, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, uh, Hank is the founder of the pharmacy. It was his baby, his uh, his idea that sort of was born in twenty eighteen. And, uh, in fact, he just re, uh, was recognized uh, with an award from DCEO Magazine for uh, an uh, innovative healthcare award, essentially because of the, the bringing the, this first freestanding charitable pharmacy in Texas idea to fruition. So he was recognized by them last year. And, uh, yeah, he's doing a great job of, of keeping us uh, moving forward and and making sure the pharmacy is expanding as we speak. Yes, uh, Michael pa- Pasolini joins me. He's ex- chief executive officer of St. Vincent de Paul, uh, the Society of St. Vincent de Paul of North Texas, and uh, they're located over on Gilbert Avenue. And like I said, doing so much. We want to talk about the St. Vincent de Paul Pharmacy, and also uh, we want to talk about their campaign to raise uh, three million dollars over the next three years to. Uh, uh, just increase and I guess expand across other parts of Texas as well. Uh, you know, I think, you know, for most of us and myself included, Michael, when I need to get um, some kind of prescription medicine, it's typically as easy as a phone call or, uh, you know, just stop by the pharmacy and get it. It's no problem. But uh, the, the the challenge for a lot of people is they, they're not, they don't have health insurance and therefore prescription medication is a real challenge in their life. And this is something that can save lives sometimes. So tell us about the need and um, why this pharmacy is such a vital part of our, of our area and in our state. Well, absolutely. As you can imagine, a large number of Texans today 
uh, are living in poverty, one out of seven. And when you look at our, our Texas population, one out of five are lacking health insurance. And then you compound that with uh, somewhere around over 30% have household incomes less than 200% of the federal poverty level. Those factors all come into play that says um, they need they need this help just to keep doing what they're doing, to keep ahead of the game. Uh, this, this idea was born out of our home visits that I mentioned earlier. You know, uh, when Hank would do a home visit from his conference, he would engage people who uh, needed help with the rent or needed utility assistance or food. And many times they were sacrificing their medications because they couldn't afford them in order to pay the rent and or and or they were now now getting sick and couldn't go to work you know and to keep their their source of income coming into the household so we saw this as an opportunity hank saw this as an opportunity to bridge that gap go after the root cause and if they're healthy now they're working now their their quality of life is improved now they don't need to call us to help pay the rent and that's what what was the uh, the need that the pharmacy idea was serving, and um, it, it took it took a while to get here because it took uh, an effort to change le legislation. Prior to um, Hank getting involved, the legislation basically centered around the fact that you had to have a pharmacy that was associated with a medical clinic, mm -hmm. so it couldn't be freestanding. And by changing the law, it was literally adding a few words to a, the existing law. It allowed for the, the existence of a freestanding clinic. And once that was done, then we were off and running. The Society of St. Vincent de Paul said, this is a need. We, we need to do this. They're doing it in other states. So we had good models we could follow. And by getting that uh, in place, we were able to launch our clinic in uh, March of 2018 was our soft opening, if you will. And I see here, um, since then, as of uh, the 18th of this month, uh, St. Vincent de Paul Pharmacy has delivered in excess of 35,000 prescriptions, valuing $7 million. That's a lot of prescriptions. Yeah. And you say deliver, um, and I know you have a physical pharmacy there on the, the Vickery Meadow area of Dallas. Walk-in service, how, how are the various ways that people are able to get, you know, physically get their prescriptions? Yeah, as you mentioned, the, the walk-in service is one of the capabilities. However, that's restricted now because of COVID. But the other methods uh, that you can do, you can utilize, are the clinics we have relationships with throughout this diocese of Dallas. So, for example, uh, Brother Bill's Helping Hand, uh, Hope Clinics in Garland and McKinney. Uh, we have a relationship with Julia's. Center for Healthcare. We have Healing Hands Ministry, Dallas Life, the Rockwell Grace Center, and we just announced, or just announced, we just started our first mail order capability with the uh, Grace Community Center in uh, Tarrant County. So now we're able to actually mail medi medications out to the clinic or to the patients directly from our pharmacy. The, the model we've incorporated is that this will be a distributive model of a pharmacy. So by having one physical location, we can distribute the medications to wherever they're needed. 
and that's part of our expansion plan is, is how we're going to accomplish that. You don't need to build more brick and mortar pharmacies. We can ha- handle a load from that one location in Victory Meadow. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so who, who qualifies? How are they hearing about you? I guess that's part of the, the, what you're trying to get the word out about, I guess. Uh, so how, how do people yeah. know whether they qualify and they can uh, receive the benefit of the pharmacy? Well, if, you're, if your age is between 18 and 64 years old, if you're uninsured, if you have a household income of less than 200% of the federal poverty level and you live in Texas, uh, we probably can help you. You know, you fill out the application, they're online, uh, or you have someone in the clinic help you go to a clinic that they're doing the screening for us and they submit electronically the prescription to us. We complete the prescription, send it back to the clinic. And voila, you you have your medication. That's how you uh, can get it. Mm, very nice. Now, what's the 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 plan? Obviously, is expansion because you got a great thing going. It's serving a lot of people. Uh, tell us what would you like to accomplish this year and in the coming years as far as expansion. Well, we've managed to keep doubling our our productivity of the pharmacy. So you know, year one, uh, full year one, we did nine thousand prescriptions. Last year, we did 17,500. This year, we're projected to do 25,000. Our goal is to hit 50,000, and that's part of that $3 million campaign. Um, As we expand into more and more clinics, as the word gets out about our ability to deliver this free medications to people, um, we're trying to drive up the productivity of the pharmacy to serve that larger number. we're initially expanding into Tarrant County, Denton County, as a way of expanding beyond our, our uh, diocese, diocese of Dallas borders, if you will. Uh, our plan is to grow south and serve in the Diocese of Austin, grow further south, Diocese of San Antonio, go east into the Diocese of Galveston, Houston, and then eventually even El Paso uh, is not out of our reach. And again, all being served out of that one facility. So the $3 million campaign is really to help us with that expanded growth uh, over the next three years, you know, being able to work more shifts uh, and bring on more staff, being able to uh, handle the distribution costs that are associated with getting those medications to those locations. That's all part of the equation, the marketing in those areas. Uh, My working with um, my sister council uh, uh, executive directors and CEOs to get them to adopt our program, working with the hospital systems to take on uh, the ability for us to serve their needs, you know, for the, this community or this population as well, because they're serving in these areas as well. Now, you mentioned uh, the, the your counterparts. Are, are these, and I guess my, my thought is, as you talk about moving into Tarrant County and Houston and San Antonio, these are other dioceses and archdioceses. Are, are you working in collaboration with the other uh, church leaders there, the other St. Vincent de Paul societies, or is this kind of just um, an independent effort just through the, your own um uh, society, if that makes sense. No, this this is a special work of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. Okay. So our work will be with my counterparts in those uh, dio- diocese boundaries, if you will, the society council that exists there. Um, 
the uniqueness about this is that in in a society nationwide, we have, I think there's currently nine or ten locations that have these types of pharmacies existing within a council. This would be the first statewide society-run implementation uh, across the country. So it's it's breaking ground in terms of it's the first freestanding in Texas, but if we can pull off this expansion, that'll be the first of the society that we have a statewide pharmacy program serving all of these society uh, populations that are existing in the state of Texas. It's a, it's a very good thing overall for the, the state and for the society at, at large. Yeah. yeah, and so many people will benefit from it because it's almost like food or water. I mean, it's, it's a necessity for exactly. people. Sometimes, you know, it's, uh, it's not a convenience. Uh, this is something that people have to have in some cases to stay alive, the medication. Uh, Michael Pasolini joining me. We have a few more minutes remaining. Chief Executive Officer of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul of North Texas talking about the expansion of the St. Uh, Vincent de Paul Pharmacy, which uh, currently, as he said, is a, a brick and mortar, one location that's serving the, the, all the, the, the entire area at Vickery Meadow area of Dallas, um, uh, typically walk-in service, but not during COVID, and also delivery and uh, different ways that people can get prescriptions. I, I guess the the big question that I have as we start to close this out, Michael, is the three million dollar fundraising campaign over three years. How are you going to raise that money, and is there a way that our listeners can help you if they're listening now and they're excited about the this project? Absolutely. Um, We've embarked on this project. Uh, start. We started uh, in October. We had our our advisory committee pulled together, and we presented basically the information I shared with you today to give them an understanding of our our desire to grow and the the, the need that exists for this three million dollars. Um, one of the things that we wanted to emphasize with this group is the fact that our operating costs are extremely low. I mean, the administration for our society is nine cents out of every dollar. Mm. So 91 cents goes directly to the assistance. And the other important metric that we, we like to talk about is for every dollar we have of expense, we're giving someone $9 of medication value. Mm. And that, you know, that kind of uh, return is just unheard of. And, and that's the real sort of um, motivation for attracting people to help us with this cause. Like I said, we started in October. We've raised so far just over $700,000 towards our goal of $3 million. We want to complete that $3 million ask or that $3 million donation goal by June. That's our target to be ready so we can continue to can, uh, the growth path we're on to serve this ever growing need for these free medications. Um, if, if you're interested in joining with us in this, you know, this cause and donating, um, I would encourage you to, A, go to our website. It's svdpdallas.org slash donate. So you can find out how to, how to make the donation. The same is true to find out more about the pharmacy itself. You can go to svdpdallas.org slash pharmacy. It'll take you to the pharmacy. I, I, I can give you my email if you want to learn more. My email is easy. It's ceo at svdpdallas.org, and I'd be happy to answer questions. Um, 
the pharmacy if you want to if you want to call the pharmacy to maybe volunteer your time or uh, talk with Hank possibly work out that arrangement. Uh, its number is four six nine two three two nine nine zero two. And uh, these are all different ways. I like how you're not making people try to spell Pasolini uh, by with your email address there. <laughs> that's uh, that's very merciful of you. So thank it's, you for that. It's, it's it's just like it sounds. I can even I can even spell CEO. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, thanks so much again. That website svdpdallas.org forward slash donate. Right, um, and yes. then you can also. Uh, you can email CEO at svdpdallas.org and speak to Michael Pasolini, otherwise known as CEO. <laughs> uh, and yep. uh, we appreciate it. If I may ask you one somewhat unrelated question, just because I'm curious. the uh, yeah. uh, Last year, we were blessed to go out to the big thrift store there at uh, by Bachman Lake and do a live broadcast. Yeah. And uh, what's the status of those? I know a lot of people love to, to go in there to donate and also to buy uh, in, in the COVID age. It, are those operating, or, or how, what, what's the status of those? Yeah, the good, the good question. They absolutely are operating. Um, the Dallas Thrift Store is is on uh, Northwest Highway is open, and uh, it's in it's in need of people shopping. Right, we we were closed down for a couple of months uh, through the 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 PPP loan process. We were able to get that loan last year, that stimulus. And that helped carry us through that low period, but the monies are still needed. And the store in, in Plano on Parker Road, that is in need of shoppers and donations as well. So uh, I encourage the listeners to, to go to the store or, or if you don't feel comfortable, maybe consider making a donation. They have the COVID protocols in place, um, so you're not a, your, your risk is lowered greatly. Uh, but please, you know, shop because shopping is giving. So consider consider that uh, in the future. Yeah, greatly appreciate it. Yes. Uh, so just yeah, invite everybody listening to to support the Society of Saint Vincent de Paul, North Texas, any way you can, especially uh, by donating and helping them raise this three million dollars by June, as Michael Pasolini had mentioned. SVDPDallas.org forward slash donate, and also get in touch with Hank Herman and learn more about the pharmacy. And uh, boy, I tell you, there is so much. This really highlights the fact that I think every few months you and I need to speak, uh, Michael, and just give us an update hey, on how things are going. Because uh, I know our listeners enjoy hearing about the good work of the uh, the society. So, and also congratulations on those two new uh, as the councils or societies at the Saint was it Saint Williams and also Prince of Peace or what the, the same yes, yeah, yeah Greenville Prince of Peace and, and Prince of Peace in Dallas and uh, Saint Williams and in, in uh, Greenville uh, are interested in becoming new conferences for the Society of St. Vincent de Paul. And I will take you up on that offer to meet with you on a regular basis. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. All right. Well, thanks so much. Always good to talk to you. And again, thanks to the other Mike for uh, the interview earlier this week and uh, kind of inspired this one today. And uh, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Diane Xavier for running the board. And I always uh, close by saying if you have any suggestions for interviews that uh, touch on our Catholic faith here in North Texas, I always appreciate suggestions. For this interview of the week, you can email me directly at Palmer at grnonline.com. And also, we always have copies of these pro- programs. So if you want to just uh, get this via email after it runs, uh, email me and I'll be happy to send it to you. Uh, Dave Palmer at grnonline.com. Michael Pasolini, thanks so much and God bless you with this effort to raise the funds for the pharmacy. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. And uh, 
I'm praying for everyone out there to hopefully get to a miraculous end to this. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.